1: This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge. Sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation.
2: Welcome to The Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. We have results from various parts of the mutu. But I want to talk about Waikato area pairs, Barry. So you were there. I was.
3: On top of the world. Yeah.
2: Yep. I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation.
3: <laughs> Listen to this, folks. First session. Mariana playing with her partner, Barbara Daly, 68.98%. How about that? Yeah, it's pretty stoked.
2: wasn't all our brilliance, but there were moments of brilliance, you know. And did a good lead that Richard Solomon picked up, so I was sort of happy with the way that I was leading and things like that. And then we had lunch.
3: Hang on a minute. I got a text after this first session, folks. And it said to me, I'm either going home now or I'm going to the bar, is what she said.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't want to strut around, but I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on you when you pull out a mammoth score like that, Barry.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I always think that, and I did say to you that, you know, if you have a massive score like 68.98, it doesn't happen very often to anybody, but um, even if you score like 54 or something in the next session, it always feels terrible.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, I didn't even manage to do that. It was just game of two halves. It was like when I used to play squash, you play competitive squash, you go in and you do the deed and you walk out, you have 90 seconds breather and then you go back in and I don't know what happens in that 90 seconds, but you go in there and you can't even hit the damn ball.
3: Stop changing the subject.
2: I know. So yeah, we didn't do as well as we wished for the afternoon session. We did come sixth in the ends, but hey, I got an A point and that's the most magical thing of the day.
3: She's not going to say it, folks, so I'm going to say it. Go on then I don't mind. I've got big shoulders. It was 40%. It must have felt horrible. I do feel for you. It would have been awful. Like I said, it's either time to go home
2: now or go to the bar because I've done my dash.
3: There's a great level of the game of bridge. There's no doubt about that. So who came out on top in the end, Mariana?
2: So Richard Solomon and Anna Colmer, they had two good scores, 68 and 65. That's pretty consistent. They They
3: got 68 as well in the morning. 68.75.
2: 68.75. And of course they're doing the little walk. Who got above that? Who got above that? And I was like, it's over here. Come over here, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was great. My A-point climb.
3: It was climbing.
2: second? The seconds were the Claytons.
3: Oh, okay, that's good. And so you've got another A-point. So how many more to go?
2: Wow. Um, the last check that I had, I was at 76, knocking on 77. So A-point this weekend and Almost an A point the week before, and the one B point the week before. I tell you, these numbers are just rolling on so you in, Barry.
3: Only just over 20 to go to get to 100. That's good. Yep. So, the Hamilton Club held their very successful weekend. They had an intermediate tournament and a junior tournament.
2: 18 tables in the intermediate people and eight in the juniors. So many people in the club. It's great to see the club jam packed.
3: Second in the intermediates were Janice Simpson and Jan Goyenge. The winners were from Hamilton, Roger Gunning, and Ian Ross. And I want to talk about Ian Ross because I've got a bit of goss about him. I happened to be at the club briefly on Friday giving a little talk to some people. And uh, I ran into Ian Ross. And as he came across the room, I couldn't help but notice something. And this is a secret for all of those people that have been using pickle juice for the last three years. Rosemary. He did. He had a sprig of rosemary on him. Yep. He had the sprig of rosemary. And I said, what's that? And he said he'd been reading or listening to what is it, Ask the Doctor or something. Yeah, And apparently rosemary is good for your, your brain power or something. So <laughs> there he was with the sprig of rosemary. Now, I couldn't help but notice he scored 46. But still, <laughs> maybe it would have been 42 if he hadn't had the rosemary. So he obviously, and then I, saw a photograph of him winning the Intermediate, and I zoomed in on him, and sure enough, there it was. He had another sprig of rosemary Mm -hmm. on Saturday, and they got over the line, Ian Ross and Roger Gunning. So there's a tip you can use.
2: I did say to him, I said, how are you going today, and how's the rosemary working? And he says, wonder what I could do if I had a bunch of it. I was like, yeah.
3: Well, maybe it's going to be written into the next... NZ Bridge Regulations No Rosemary Allowed
2: Well ask Kermit See if she's Got a
3: tip (laughs) On it (laughs) Okay so the Junior was uh, Second were Rochelle Mayer And Stephen Weir Also from Hamilton The winners Were Helen Smith And Karen Mace Yeah nice Well done to Them Um, The in Marlborough, they had the Marlborough 5A teams and peers over the weekend, so that was a pretty good weekend. Good numbers, good turnout. The winning team was the Davies team Kate Davies, Pam Dravitsky, John Patterson, and Ruth Brucker. And I have to say, that was Ruth's first ever A point tournament win. Well done to Ruth. Nice. Congratulations to her. Yep. So it was really good to see. Second were the DAG team, who were leading going into the last round. Davies had a big 20 0 win to get past them in the last round. Oh, yeah so, is and, that
2: our Dallas tag
3: yeah Dallas on her way down to Christchurch right she stopped off and they came second so they won their last match so they were probably a little bit gutted to get run get over it. in the last round anyway the Piers was taken out by Ernie Sutton and Max Rob second were the locals Steve Gray and Lindsay Guy they were always there or thereabouts and they were once again
2: And I have some snippets from Ray Kurnow that was passed over us for these tournaments on the weekend and I am sorry to say that I haven't had an opportunity to transfer them over to the station yet so we'll be playing those on next week's segment. At the courthouse again. Director, please. How can I help?
3: Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. We want to ask you about your trip to Marlborough. What was the most common thing that happened? Was it board placement, bidding pad placement?
4: It was interesting because we had quite a mixed field and I had a few questions where people have been told something by somebody or whatever happens in whatever clubs... I mean, it's just pretty common all around the country, wherever you go, that everyone has a different idea about what is and isn't happening. And the first one is about placing the board in the middle of the table because the laws up till the last edition, which is 2017, allowed that the board could be near the centre, it didn't have to be in the centre of the table, it could be sort of near the centre, which had a sort of a wide-ranging thing, (laughs) because people play the cards from dummy when they are declarer, and they have to be able to reach them, and they have to be able to see them. In the last two editions of the law, we've gone to calling for the cards, so declarer if it can be avoided, really shouldn't be reaching over the table and touching cards. They tell dummy which card to play, which means that the board can remain in the centre of the table and also because of the cheating scandals and things around that, there was some other stuff going on. But From a directing point of view, if the board is in the centre of the table and it stays there, moved only so that dummy can put down their hand so their partner can see it. And clearly, if you've got bad eyesight, the director will allow you some leeway about what we do here. It stops the board being put round the wrong way, the cards going back in the wrong pocket. It's sort of very important that the board does stay there. And the law is actually really clear. It was not actually discretionary anymore. It says very clearly must be there.
3: In the middle of the table.
4: Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you so do, Julie, when thing. you've
3: got a couple of five-card suit? It's a bit tricky sometimes. You've got
4: to... I mean, you've got, to, you've got to be able to put dummy down, OK? If yep. you've got an eight-card suit and dummy, you've got to figure out how you can put it down. So mm. uh, discretionary to that degree, but moving it sideways or right on the corner of the table definitely is not what should happen at all. It should be somewhere at the centre and it's only really allowed to be moved for the allowance of putting dummy down or some of our cards with very bad eyesight clearly they have to be able to see dummy well enough to be able to call the cards from it. Now the other one was bidding pads which comes up really frequently everywhere and that is when should the bidding pad and should the bidding pad be turned over? Really simply, the answer is the bidding pad must be turned over again because you're not allowed memory aids about what the auction is. And the auction, before you play to the first trick, you can have a full review of the auction and know what's going on. But once you have played to that first trick, you are not entitled to know the auction. You can ask the meaning of bids at any point when it is your turn to play through the hand you can ask the meaning of it but even though we're not asking about the option there is no issue with that and you can always know what contract you're playing your opponents and your partner not only are allowed to tell you but if you ask they have to tell you you're not allowed to say no you won't and no, I No, out yourself <laughs> Not this weekend alright to be really clear about this but I have been called to the table in the past elsewhere where someone refused point blank to tell their opponent what the actual contract was. What do you do?
3: Stone them, stone
4: them. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, I think it's getting pretty bad to do that.
3: I've seen the situation, I wasn't there at the table i am hastened to add, where both opponents refused to tell them what the contract was and the person's partner who was really annoyed with him said, well I'm not telling you either
4: Oh my god Well in all fairness, if they refuse to say and the people don't know then I mean I presume I could just say well I'll give you a 40% (laughs) Okay,
3: I'll just grab the bridge mate The
4: contract they're playing, how can they play it? I'll grab the bridge mate, pass me the bridge mate please The last one was, and I've never been asked this before, was a bidding pad on top of the board so after the auction is finished we have the bidding pad in the center of the table and people do frequently pick up the bidding pad put it on top of the board that is being played now one of the downsides of this is you can't see the vulnerability and at some point of the play you may get very interested and what your vulnerability is, as you figure out how many light you can afford to go, or something along those lines. So the vulnerability absolutely should not be covered up yeah. on the board. Absolutely. But I have no, idea. I don't really have any thing that says the bidding pad must be in one place or another. As long as it's upside down. But personally I would prefer it to be way off to the side of the table out of the way. Putting it on top of the board feels like it's likely to cover the vulnerability and that also I think should not occur.
3: Getting back to turning it over, now I'm sure I'm not alone and I would forget to turn it over when I know it's meant to be. I mean who's actually responsible for it, all of you or or what?
4: Anyone at the table. There's no reason why there's got to be one person that's going to be in in trouble here. I'm happy that everyone is in trouble (laughs) if there's a problem. No one at that table owns that table. What they do, it's not like they're in their own home and inviting people in. We are playing bridge and they are moving around, and I think to some degree that's why this came up. Everyone at the table is responsible for seeing that that is turned over.
2: Right, so because I would have thought North South owned the table or the house, and East West were only visitors on a fleeting visit and off your pot. Why?
4: You know, I mean, it, there's just the luck of the draw. Hey, they haven't
3: got their name on the title, Mariana. <laughs>
4: <How> <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm fairy.
2: sitting there for the whole session. Whole time.
3: So, okay. Yeah, you know. well, It's good. What we're we'll taking out of this? The board has got to be in the middle of the table. The bidding pad has to be turned over after the first round.
2: Does it cover yep. the number and the vulnerability?
4: cover the, the vulnerability of yeah. because it was important, and we used the, the turn it over after three, the two defenders and declarer are paid from dummy. So, turned over then. I don't care whether it's turned over then or at the end of that first truck. I think, to a large degree, that's not particularly relevant. There's some definition stuff around that. you know. I mean, we're there to enjoy ourselves, relax and turning it over once all three are paid, I mean, some people will do so and that is perfectly fine they can do that, but everyone should be aware that it's turned over by the end of the first truck.
3: The vulnerability thing is an interesting one there because obviously, if if declarer all of a sudden is interested in the vulnerability, the defenders can. I mean, are they entitled to the information that declarer obviously thinks is going down? <laughs>
4: yeah, right, you know, um, so it, it shouldn't cover up the board. I, yeah. I don't think that's reasonable. If somebody is not entirely happy and they play against someone they're not entirely happy with, just how little wee things. It's like the cap on the toothpaste or whatever, you know, those arguments. It, it just sort of gets it really niggly at times, and there's no real need for it.
3: Do you not put the cap on the toothpaste, Julie?
4: I didn't, know and that's not what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> One of those marriage guidance things about how little wee things get very annoying very quickly.
3: <laughs> Ooh, okay, next time I'm there I'm going to check the toothpaste out, Mariana. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. I think we should
4: keep to directing and not to personal relationships. Well, well,
2: well, well. I won't add what he was asking before we went on air.
3: Uh, no. <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway, so um, congratulations to everyone well this weekend. So it's pretty good down the top of the south, as it always is. Nice yeah. to catch up with everybody again from down there. And I know um, is going to be running a 10A regional Event on the 22nd of May, which they're really looking forward to because with the earthquakes and COVID, you know, they've had such a nightmare.
2: Thanks,
3: Julie. Okay,
4: have okay, a good day. Right. Bye See for
3: now.
2: I've got a question for you.
3: This is going to be a tough one, isn't it?
2: It is. I want to know about consistency. I thought my head was in the right space. I felt fine going into that second session. How do you keep it going, Barry? Two words. What?
3: Pickle juice. Oh! It's a long time since we talked about pickle juice and a lot of our listeners may not remember. But, but apparently it's good stuff and it helps you keep your stamina up and all that says, no, I'm only kidding. It's yeah. Apparently it tastes foul. I'm not recommending.
2: <laughs> we have to find something else, do we? Well, the bar wasn't open at all, I must say.
3: So you never even had a drink at the end to celebrate nope. that fine
2: 68.98. No, but I tell you what... You know, the things that we did, we thought, right, okay. so we focused up in the morning and I was actually, this is my tip about having a great session. The day before was the Hamilton Intermediate and Junior Tournament and Barbara was in the kitchen and at the club all day from start to finish. I popped in and I actually took off for an hour and a half during the day, but we were there and at lunchtime we were thinking it was like... Man, that was a cracker of a school. Does that mean we have to find a tournament and get stuck in the kitchen for the whole day for the rest of the year?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we ain't bloody doing that because it's tough yakka doing that. Hey, look, anybody that needs somebody to work in the kitchen, just email in. <laughs> yeah, bridgezoneshuffle at com. Marietta and Barbara in the kitchen.
2: <laughs> so we did think about that and we thought we were ready for the afternoon, but I don't... I, just don't know I can't point the bone what happened you know a couple of bum boards were like okay put your lip up after that how do you get it back
3: it's tough isn't it 68.98 things were just going along beautifully people were dropping in and giving in the occasional little present maybe as well and (laughs) you're doing some good stuff and everything every board looked as big as a bucket and it was easy stuff and then how can it all change so much in the space of A lunch hour. Do you
2: think it could be down to movements? Because that's what happened. So there was two different sections. In the first session, we were playing in the Mitchell. And in the afternoon, we were playing in the Howl. So do you think I should start getting a phobia about being in a Howl
3: movement? After 40%. Maybe. Did you Howl?
2: (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, does playing either you know
3: movement does it have i don't think it should but a lot of people do not like playing in howls right i mean you know some people complain if you ever have a howl at the club and uh i mean i don't think it should make too much difference you've still got 13 cards each you yep. still get to bid you still get to play i don't think it should make any difference i think if you work yourself up into a tiz because you don't like the movement yep. that's probably the worst thing if you just sat down and play bridge like a human being
2: yep. you'd be fine I don't mind playing in a hell, and I did the best for me to avoid the confusion. So I got my little score sheet out, my personal score sheet. I put down what table numbers I was playing, which board, or what partnership number I was playing at each board, and which table I had to go to, so I didn't have to keep referring to the jolly guide card. So I didn't do that. So I thought I did the best that I could, but I don't know.
3: I tell you what, what I do in a hell: grasping at
2: straws.
3: Here, I'm way too lazy to do all that. We just watch I just, who you follow. I following. just figure out who I'm following and yep. hope they don't get lost.
2: <laughs> yep, I, I did that. I knew who we were following, but I thought, right, I want to be able to get to the table nice and early and I know what boards and all that. So I was prepared that way. And I thought, right, that's not
3: something that I can blame. So when you got to the end of your first session, yep. did it feel like a 68?
2: Well, I was West and I thought we defended really well. Barb had an inkling we were doing very good. Nowhere okay. near that. You know, we, we thought we. I would have felt something like 59, maybe 61. I don't know. But nah, not at those ones.
3: OK, what about the 40? Did you know it was that bad?
2: Um, I thought it was about 49. So, yeah, it was bad. It was a lot worse than you thought. <laughs> yeah. OK. But anyway.
3: So 49 would have been having you in the money.
2: Yeah, probably.
3: It probably yeah. would have been because you still came six, didn't you? So, yeah, six. Yeah, yeah.
2: three pairs. Actually with six
3: sequels, so. so another nine percent would have put you yeah. over the top of a few pairs. Yeah, it would've.
2: That's it, consistency. You got no tips other than pickle juice that you don't like.
3: <laughs> and can't blame the movement. Maybe a sprig of rosemary is the answer now. Oh hey. Well, let's try it. Ian Ross we, we're in at every session now, I reckon. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Let's go off to the pond.
3: <laughs> What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. What have you got for us this morning?
1: Well, my tip today is if a double can be for takeout, then it is. It doesn't matter how experienced a player and or a partnership are, sometimes you always get to a point in the auction where you're not exactly sure what's going on and things aren't that clear. So it's very good to have some guiding principles for your partnership that you can both fall back on in this situation. And one of those is unless you've specifically agreed or it's very obvious that this double is something other than takeout, then it is for takeout. And this goes nicely in the toolkit with the tip that I did a few weeks ago. That was, if a bid can be forcing, then it is.
3: I like it. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's definitely good. It actually goes with something that I heard once, which was, if you don't know what to do, double. At least you'll probably get another chance at not knowing what to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think, I think you've just undone all my good work. Yeah, yeah, I probably have but yes <laughs> thanks for that
3: Very <laughs> no no I like that Superstar. tip that's a good tip if it can be take out it is
1: yes and if you both know that that gives some clarity on the direction and what we like in options is clarity so you both know what you're doing it helps a lot <laughs> I
3: remember somebody telling me once your aim should be to have your partner be the best informed person at the table
1: yep ah yeah I always say it's just easier to make good decisions based on good information. It's pretty yeah. hard to make them based on bad
3: information. It's yes, the vice versa thing I don't like. It's pretty easy to make a bad decision if you've got the wrong information, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Go again? Double? If it could be take out, it is? Exactly. Take it to the bank, Mariana?
2: Yep, I'll take that to the cooperative bank, 2 Bar 36 Brush Street, Hamilton. Look us up, people, if you need to. <laughs>
3: Cool. Oh, we're doing paid advertising now. Not well, unpaid advertising. <laughs> managed to
2: sneak that in. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Pam. Catch
2: Kermit next week for another tip. See
1: ya.
2: Anyway, we're heading into Auckland Easter weekend.
3: Congress, they've got 10A pairs and the 10A teams. No Michael Weir's probably there with another gun team. Had to be. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So who are you playing with this weekend?
3: We're playing with uh, Mike Curry and Pam Marsland in the teams. Okay. And then the pairs, there'll be just the two of us. Yeah. That's not a surprise.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm playing with Jessica Morris. We'll be upstairs at Akarana, I guess. We're having two sessions in the 8B.
3: Oh, that'll be nice. Mm. So more B points, but it won't get you closer to the 100. No, it
2: won't, but that's okay. It'll get me one more game of practice with Jessica. So that's great. And to close the show, we'd like to say congratulations to the newly re-elected board members and two new board members. Waikato has another board member, Barry.
0: So there's two of them that were elected, so both of them really good value. Anna when she puts so much into bridge and, I oh mean, you know, you can call her Anna Kornakova or you like. But she's actually just amazing what she does for Bridge in the of region. So Mm. great to see her on. She'll be really good on the board. And, of course, Karen Martelletti, who is, you know, she's been on there. She's really good value. I think, you know, one of the best board members. And really good to see her back on as well.
2: Yep, I like the young blood of Sam Coots from down the line.
0: Yep, definitely good to have somebody young on there. Um, (laughs) Nothing against the other members. I hope they're not (laughs) listening we are talking about their age, but really good to have somebody young like Sam on there and, you know, a good relationship with the youth players, obviously involved with all of those, and good that the youth players have a voice on the board. And, of course, John Mm -hmm. Skipper, who's, you know, Mr. Reliable on the board, Mm -hmm. does a great job and good to have him on.
2: I was absolutely thrilled that there was so much choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. We actually had a vote. Yeah, uh, lovely. And um, hard luck to the people that didn't get on, but um, not not everybody can. So um, maybe next time.
2: Maybe next time. In three years' time, keep trying.
0: Okay, yeah, that's right.
2: And come on, Mr. Choir, why are you keeping a secret from us all?
0: Well, I didn't know when we were recording this show earlier in the day, but, um, yeah, they have announced the uh, New Zealand teams to contest the Zone 7 playoffs against Australia in May. Yeah. The Waikato Bay's mixed team is the New Zealand mixed team. Is this going to be good?
2: That is fantastic. I'm so thrilled. I mean, oh, it's amazing.
0: So really, they'll be a great team, really pleased about it. Joe and Sam Simpson, Liz and Blair Fisher and Jenny and I, so we, we're really pleased about that. Be a fun team and a good event. The Open team is Matthew Brown and Michael Wibley with Peter Newell and Martin Reid, Nick Jacob and Go Tislavold. The Aussies are going to have their work cut out beating that team, Mariana.
2: Yeah, what about the women? Kermit and Jan Alabaster, Carol Richardson and Andy Bowie and Shirley Newton and Jenny Wilkinson. Yeah, it's a
0: pretty strong women's team too. So, um, yeah, I fancy their chances against the Australians, definitely.
2: And the seniors? Tom Jacob, Brian Mace, Patrick Carter and Julie Atkinson.
0: Yep, John Skipper and Ellen Grant, the other two. So, Look, it seems like if you're on the bridge zone, you make New Zealand teams.
2: Oh, hey, 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 you can't say that. I was just about to say I feel a bit lonely. <laughs> I feel a
0: bit lost. Maybe next year, Mariana.
2: Oh, God, I've got to get through 100 A points first, Barry. <laughs>
0: okay, so, Anyway, so I think pretty good teams, uh, although some might argue about the mix. <laughs> but, yeah, pretty good teams, so it be interesting. Of course, it is going to be an online trial Yes. on Real Bridge. Apparently, Mariana has a practice at that.
2: Well, I'm thrilled for you. Do you think I could come along and
0: watch the practice? I didn't think about the practice, but certainly the main event on the 22nd and 23rd of May is going to be online. You're going to be watching us warts and all with every mistake we make.
2: No, I (laughs) want to watch the practice, Barry, because you'd be really relaxed. I want to watch that.
0: (laughs) I don't know how the practice is going to work. We do have to wait to hear from Murray Wiggins as to just how it's all going to pan out.
2: Okay. Hey, do you have to
0: wear a uniform when you're playing this thing? Well, I don't know. I think they just had us all in a dark room at the Auckland Bridge Club somewhere. Oh,
2: God. I know what being in a dark room with you is like.
0: <laughs> it was the studio. <laughs> but anyway, I think they're going to have some in Christchurch as well, because obviously there's, so there's going to be, I think it's going to be Auckland and Christchurch are going to yep. have supervised, everybody's going to be supervised yep. to make sure everything's above board, so that's really good.
2: Well, that's an exciting way to finish the show this week. Barry announcing the Zone 7 playoffs, and congratulations for making that team, and make sure you tell Jenny as well.
0: we Will do, and we'll look forward to playing at Easter.
2: OK. Catch, Catch you anyway. later, everybody.
1: New Zealand Bridge. Sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international nationwide.